The hard work this offseason for the Missouri Tigers is paying off. Not only have the Tigers grabbed three four-star top 100 recruits for their 2024 class, they might even add a few more key pieces to set them up for long-term success. And that's what we're talking about today. Now let's get into it. Welcome to the Hoop Southbound Show. My name is David. Hey guys, it's Maddie. And today we're talking about Mizzou's impressive start to this recruiting cycle. But we're also going to take a look at the Joe Lenardi's first bracket that's came out. We're also going to discuss uh, Kentucky's non-conference schedule and a little bit more today. Uh, Maddie, first off, we got to talk about Mizzou. Obviously, you know, T.O. Barrett, when it first came out, you know, it was kind of like, okay, it's one good recruit. Mizzou's doing a, off to a good start, got a good player. Then they get Marcus Allen, and then they get Peyton, uh, Peyton Marshall, it's a great start for Dennis Gates over there in Mizzou. And I mean, this looks like a really, really good start to this class. Maddie, what are your first impressions on this Missouri Tiger team? I mean, comparatively great might be an understatement here. You look at what Mizzou's done just in the past year with how great their team finished last season and also having a first round draft pick in Kobe Brown. I think it's done wonders for the program and I think Dennis Gates is here to say he's not messing around when it comes to the future of Mizzou hoops. Yeah, no, it's a great start to this club. I mean, I don't think you could be happier with the start if you're a Missouri Tiger fans, uh, Missouri Tiger fan. Now, of course, according to 24-7 Sports, Mizzou has currently the number three recruiting class in the country. But let's let's be completely honest. A lot of that ranking has to do with the volume that Mizzou has here early in the game and the lack of activity from other programs. But I do expect for this recruiting class to fall a little bit, you know, somewhere in the top 20 somewhere. Um, it, it looks really good. The class that I would compare it the closest to right now would probably be uh, probably Georgia. Like, you know, honestly, we've talked about how much we like Georgia in the previous episodes of this show. But if you like Georgia's recruiting class, You've got to like Mizzou because, like, let's compare them a little bit. The Bulldogs, like Mizzou, picked up four, uh, three four-star prospects, ranking them roughly in the 50 to 75 range. And that class ended up being ranked number 15 in the country, according to 24-7. And that class includes uh, Silas DeMary Jr., Dylan James, and Blue Kane, who we're going to talk about on Freshman 15 later on uh, next month. So if you're liking Mizzou, you got to like Georgia. If you like Georgia's class, you got to like Mizzou's class. And uh, Honestly, I like both of this. This is a great recruiting situation. Yeah, I think, you know, both are giving us very strong leverage to consider that they're going to be top contenders in the SEC, especially, you know, with what Mizzou has done with this recruiting class. It's only going to bring more eyes on their program. And then, you know, if they have a phenomenal season this year, only way they can go is up. Yeah, I, I want to get into the players a little bit more here in just a second, but where I want to turn next is just kind of like, this is a huge resume point for Dennis Gates because if a guy who wasn't projected to be a one-and-done cracks into that situation for Mizzou, Dennis Gates is going to have a huge resume point to put to recruits going forward. He can say, hey, look what I did for this player. We developed him into a late first-round talent or a lottery pick. Uh, when he was projected to be a two or three year player in college coming out of high school, you know, that's that's kind of the place that we're going right now. And that's what's going to attract five stars to Mizzou down the down the line and could take this program to a much higher level. So there's there shouldn't just be optimism about the 2024 25 season, but there should be a lot of optimism about the future of this program right now, because 
when you can build these kind of resume points, players notice and they, they want to go to a school like that. Yeah, for sure. I think when you look at Mizzou after coming in for his first year and having a phenomenal season, that just puts Dennis Gates in an even better position to say, hey, look what I did with these people that I already had or that I brought in that didn't necessarily even make any noise at the beginning of the season, have a great year and then have a building recruiting class like this. It's going to be phenomenal for this program. Yeah, and this is a crucial recruiting cycle. Let's not forget like what scouts have ta talked about is that the 2024 and the upcoming class after it, the 2025 classes, are much stronger than what the 2023 class is perceived at. So this is a big injection of talent for the Tigers coming in. Um, let's get into the players a little bit. Uh, I want to start off talking about Mizzou's first big recruit that they ended up getting a little while back, and that's T.O. Barrett. Uh, Four-star combo guard out of the state of Oklahoma. He won the uh, 6A basketball title uh, in his for high school. And then he's got a little slow load on his shot, but that's really the only biggest knock that we have. He's a very good ball hander, and he uses his body extremely well. Uh, Maddie, what are kind of your thoughts on T.O. Barrett? I think this is a fantastic get for Dennis Gates' program. You know, he works very well with heavy guard play. And when you have a good combo guard like T.O. Barrett, I think it's going to work fantastic with the system that Dennis Gates has built over in Mizzou. I agree with that. You got somebody who's got ability to shoot, uh, someone who can play really well on defense. He's very versatile in that backcourt as a combo guard. He can put him at the point. You can put him at the two spot. If you want to go small, you might even be able to put him at the three spot at the wing. Um, there's a lot of ability. And another thing that I think not a lot of people are talking about is his defense overall. He's got really good feet on defense. He uses his body well, and he finds his spots to cut off drives. Uh, he's a really encouraging player and someone you definitely want to see uh, go to a Dennis Gates program like this, because this is very much the same recipe that we saw in defense for Des Moines Hodge. Uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a Great start um, for Dennis Gates, and especially with the opportunity to develop, I think T.O. Barrett's going to be fantastic um, when it comes to, you know, bettering himself and learning more of the game. And I think at, at Mizzou, he's going to just increase his stock exponentially. Absolutely. I, I, it's going to be fun to watch. Let's talk about the next player that Mizzou guy, and this was the worst kept secret in the recruiting world really for a while. Um, pretty much everyone had the vibe that Marcus Allen was going to end up going to uh, to Mizzou. Allen is a hybrid player. He sits about 6'7 and 190 pounds. He is the Tigers' top-ranked recruit since, get this, Michael Porter Jr. and Jonte Porter in 2017. Obviously a huge get for Dennis Gates. He's a four-star. Uh, he's ranked number 56 nationally. He is the number 10 power forward in this class. Um, but of course, like I said, he's a little bit more of a hybrid than a traditional power forward. And he's the number 11 player out of the state of Florida. Matty, your first thoughts on Marcus Allen. Like you said, absolutely fantastic get for this Mizzou Tigers program top-ranked recruit since Michael Porter Jr. You see how he's playing in the NBA. He's done fantastic. He's made himself, I, I wouldn't quite say a household name yet, but he's definitely on the brink of it. And I think this is something that Marcus Allen can do with Dennis Gates' program as, you know, kind of a player who could play a guard spot, but also a power forward spot. He's going to be a big man that can get buckets, in my opinion. Someone yeah, I... to fill that Trevin Brazil void, if you will. That would be 
that would be an interesting way to put it. Um, you know, he's got that versatility in him. And then we, of course, you just mentioned Michael Porter Jr. and all the good things that he's doing uh, out there in Denver. I mean, the man just won a chip. Like, you know, that's the uh, that's the kind of players that you want to be bringing into your program. They get a lot of high profile. And, you know, there's a lot of kids out there pointing right now and say, hey, where did Michael Porter Jr. go to college at? And that's Missouri. Now, granted, Michael Porter Jr. did not have the super impactful career at Mizzou because of the injury while he was there, but his name is tied to that program forever. And he's forever going to be a recruiting point moving forward for the Missouri Tigers. So it's great to see him succeed. And it's great to see a talent who's going to be coming in. Who's going to be someone who's going to contribute long-term probably make the NBA like Marcus Allen come into Mizzou. He's going to be a very interesting uh, player for the Tigers. Um, one of the big things in getting Marcus Allen, of course, is that Allen cited his relationship with Dennis Gates and assistant coach um, Charlton Young, a fellow South Florida native. And as a reason for going to Mizzou, he said Coach Sai has the blueprint for getting people like myself and other prototypes of my abilities, like former Florida State player Scotty Barnes, Terrence Mann, and other great NBA players. Um, you know, he's exciting. He's versatile. This is the kind of guy that you want coming to your program if you're Mizzou. In 28 games as a sophomore during the 2020-2021 season at Norland, Allen averaged 18.2 points per game and 7.7 .7 rebounds. Very exciting player. He, of course, transferred to Arizona Compass Prep for his junior season where he played. Uh, and now he's he played with current Mizzou freshman Trent Pierce, but he will be returning to Norland. Uh, for his final season. Uh, Maddie, th anything else on Marcus Allen? Not really. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, you know, I think Coach Sai's going to do a fantastic job in Mizzou, obviously already started making waves with this recru recruiting class. So I'm just excited to see what Allen's going to do for them uh, when it comes to the 2024 season. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's talk about another player that came out on Friday that he was going to commit to the Missouri Tigers. This one's really interesting, and this is probably my favorite pickup that Mizzou grabbed. I, I'm really entertained by this idea, um, and that's Peyton Marshall. Peyton Marshall, there. do what now? I said I agree with you there. <laughs> yeah, uh, Peyton Marshall is a four-star um, center. He is the number 57 recruit nationally, the number nine center in the country, and the number seven player out of the state of Georgia stolen right out of the backyard, of Auburn and Georgia, everybody. I mean, this is, this is a great pickup for, uh, for Dennis Gates. And he is flat out built like the Indianapolis Colts, uh, lineman, Dan Skipper. So, I mean, that is a big, big man. Um, of course, I think he's going to, they're going to get him to lose some weight out there, uh, when he gets to college, but he's going to be big. He's going to be dominant. He's going to be more of a traditional guy that you expect to play back to the basket, uh, quite a bit for the Missouri Tigers, which is not, what Dennis, Dennis Gates is really known for. He's more of using a stretch four and five type player. This is a big swing. And I think it's really interesting. Uh, Maddie, do you have some initial thoughts on Peyton Marshall before I talk about why I think this is really, really interesting? Yeah, I think Peyton Marshall is probably the one I am most excited to see come out of this recruiting class, mainly because like you said, this is not your typical man for the Dennis Gates program. But we're looking at, in my personal opinion, the modern-day Shaq here. Um, you're going to have the big man down there who is going to threaten any team. In my mind, Arkansas is the first one that comes to mind that makes the majority of their points off of driving to the basket. So he's going to threaten that, make teams make sure that they're going to be able to shoot for three when they line up against Mizzou. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be very interesting. 
Uh, there's two reasons I find this pick just so, you know, scratches the mind, makes you think about it. And if you can see the big picture here, I, I really like this. Um, I think it's interesting, like I said, for two reasons. Number one, he is not what you expect coming from a Dennis Gate recruit. Absolutely not from what we've seen from him so far. But what they do have on the team right now is Jordan Butler. And Jordan Butler is a little bit more of that traditional stretch by that Dennis Gate, not traditional by, you know, contemporary means, but, you know, for Dennis Gate's mold. Um, this is different. And the reason I find it so compelling is because Jordan Butler can play your stretch spot, but then you can use Peyton Marshall next year in his freshman year and get him out there in situations where you need a big dominant rebounder. And like, let's not forget, and this is the second reason right here, Mizzou was the worst team in the SEC in rebounding uh, last season. And I don't anticipate it to get significantly better. But mm -hmm. year three can be really entertaining with Peyton Marshall because I think he's going to be able to grab some boards. Uh, he's going to be an absolute monster down there, down low. And I think that's part of the reason he was so attractive to Dennis Gates as somebody he wanted and for the versatility of the situation with the two big men he's going to have next year. And then you're going to have somebody who's going to help tremendously in the rebound department, which is something Mizzou desperately, desperately needs. Yeah, totally. I think we look at, you know, the March Madness tournament from last season, um, getting a little bit closer to that NCAA championship game. I think Dennis saw that they're going to need some bodies down low because just running the floor and shooting threes isn't going to get you a championship ring. Yeah, man, there are days that you can go cold shooting, but you can't, you know, quantify someone's hustle. You can't outwork somebody who's willing to outwork you. And I think that's where Peyton Marshall comes in is that you give somebody who's going to have a lot of work ethic out there, willing to play back to the basket, a little more traditional basketball, very versatile piece. Um, also, he's going to be a guy, and I'm telling you right now, in the college game that's going to see a lot of double teams down low uh, going forward for when we see a lot of other big men. So I, it would not surprise me that that's one of the primary focuses for Dennis Gates and his development uh, for Peyton Marshall is to get him in double team situations where he's more comfortable using that size and that height. And yes, those are two different things I'm talking about right now. That size of 300 pounds, which, like I said, will probably go down uh, when he's at college, when he's on those nutrition plans and everything else. But he's going to be a big boy and he's going to move folks out of his way. This is, as you put it, Maddie the modern shack might be coming to Mizzou. So I'm very encouraged by what, um, by this pickup for Mizzou. Let's talk about the next thing. Now, first off, obviously this Mizzou class is great. It's very exciting. It's very fun, but they're talking about the potential for more players possibly coming to Mizzou. And the big guy that Mizzou fans are crossing their fingers and hoping will join them in Columbia in 2024 is a Boating. Boating, we mentioned a little while back, two weeks ago, um, I kind of said, don't take Mizzou out of this equation because Dennis Gates has shown that he can develop guys who are similar to Boating's game. Mm -hmm. I, here we are. I'm right now thinking that Auburn's less out of the equation than Missouri is at this point. It's it's changed quite a bit. So Missouri's become one of the big players in this recruiting battle, if we're to believe rivals. Now, of course, rivals has a crystal ball that came up this week for Boating for Mizzou. However, Rob Cassidy did say admittingly that that was a heat check moment and it was uh, very early in the process. And Cassidy also mentioned if Arkansas turns up the heat, it'll be hard to get him out of the home state. And Cassidy also further said that sometimes he just likes throwing up a three pointer from half court or something like that. Uh, deep contested three, I think, is the verbiage that he used there, which 
that's kind of what everyone's saying, especially when you listen to JC Hoops, who does a lot of the re- local recruiting uh, in Little Rock area. He covers a lot of that and also the recruiting news for Arkansas. He does not agree with this projection right now. But it's really interesting that we're seeing that built up. Uh, Maddie, any thoughts on this race right now? Yeah, I think um, I don't know if it was a reputable source or not, but I saw a tweet probably responding um, to this, if you will, uh, conspiracy of him possibly going to Mizzou. Um, They were saying, yeah, they're fighting for second place. (laughs) So that's honestly kind of how I feel about it. Um, You know, as we talked about Norboating before, Arkansas has got a lot of pull, especially around the Little Rock area. When you look at those previous players that came out of there and are now in the NBA or are now, you know, playing overseas. And Coach Musselman, I feel like, is pretty competitive. So I feel like that's a fight that he is not willing to lose. I don't think he's going to back down from a Little Rock prospect who's one of the best in the country by any means. But it'll be something to take a look at. I'm not going to speculate really, though, on this. Um, We talked about Mizzou, like I said on the show previously, but like we also mentioned on the show, the Little Rock metro area is, you know, it's an interesting place per capita. It's, it's a, I don't know the exact statistics, but if you look at NBA players who come out of the city of Little Rock or the surrounding metropolitan area out of the last several recruiting classes, count how many are in the top 100. It's ludicrous. How many players come out of the 501 and then end up in the top 100. It it doesn't make sense for how small of a city this is to produce that much talent. Um, But if Mizzou, is able to get a foothold in the Little Rock area and pull big talent out of the Little Rock area, that's not only going to be great for Mizzou, it's going to cause a problem for Arkansas. And it's going to be a very big problem. A lot of talent, like I said, coming out of that area relative to its size. It's a very important recruiting hotbed for Arkansas and the success they have. So this is going to be a very important recruiting race to watch. And you're going to have to watch it very closely because if Mizzou's in there, it could change a lot of the dynamics for the SEC. And Eric Musselman is going to have to either turn up the heat in Little Rock or he's going to have to find other places deep in Texas to go grab talent. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think it, it could definitely be a big problem, not only for Arkansas or not only for Arkansas, but for colleges like LSU, some from Texas. I know recruit heavily in the Little Rock area as well. Um, not to mention um, outside of the conference when you're looking at Memphis. So big recruiting pool that I feel like Mizzou may start looking at as untapped potential. It it could be they want to get a foot in that game. Like I said, there's there's great talent. I grew up in this area. Like the Little Rock area is my home. And yeah, no, growing up when we played 7A ball, I, you know, the 7A talent was pretty much broken out that football was owned up north in the northwest corner basketball was owned by the 7a central now that's changed a little bit with in the football world but basketball world yeah little rock central north little rock the jacksonville schools you know those schools in that 501 area in central arkansas it's it's a hotbed and it's it's a very important recruiting place for arkansas so it could get very competitive there and get very entertaining fast um, for some of these top talents coming out of there uh, Maddie, let's turn the page just a little bit and stay on Mizzou. We are going to talk about Kentucky's non-conference schedule here in just a minute, but I'm very interested in talking about Mizzou's non-conference schedule. This is really interesting. Now, back in May when we did Decision Day, I had Mizzou a little higher than most people would probably in our recruiting rankings. And Dennis Gates must be thinking the same thing or feeling the same way that I am 
because Mizzou is scheduling a much more difficult schedule than they did in year one here in year two. The Tigers have scheduled Minnesota, Seton Hall, and they've put that together and they're also going to be playing Kansas and Illinois this season. Um, it, it's really interesting. These are two teams that are decent coming out of power six schools. Minnesota has been down for a little while, but it's a power six school that you're looking at to pull some wins and pull a quality win out of, you know, and it's going to be much better basketball to watch than watching Mizzou play Houston Christian or uh, Southern Indiana this uh, coming season. I, I'm really interested because not only because scheduling is, I think Dennis Gates thinks that he has a chance to make the NCAA tournament, much like I thought earlier in May. Yeah, I think we look at the end of last season and Dennis Gate was Dennis Gates was missing two main ingredients in this Mizzou Tigers team. One notable names, which he's starting to get with these new recruiting classes, and two a schedule that people are going to pay attention to, you know, the beginning of last season, if you go back and look at several of our podcasts, we talk about how Mizzou, yeah, they were what eight and O at one point in the season, but nobody was paying attention to them because they were all cupcake with pink frosting games. I was just going to say, and I think Dennis Gates paid attention to that and realized he could make up a lot in the net when it comes to, uh, those non-conference games at the beginning of the seasons and make people pay attention to them. Yeah, there really wasn't a quality opponent on Mizzou's schedule last year until the Kansas game. And then when Kansas blew Mizzou out, it really changed uh, a lot of the perception of Mizzou temporarily. And then Mizzou beat Illinois. Um, and that changed everything again. You were like, oh, wow, they beat Illinois. That's a quality opponent they just beat. That's probably going to be an NCAA tournament team. Outside of those two games last year, the best games on Mizzou's schedule coming out of the Power 7 um, was Wichita State and UCF. Z not, no offense to those programs, but those were some of the lower programs, did not make the NCAA tournament in what is arguably the weakest of the Power 7 conference. And to the fact now that they've lost so many pieces, a lot of people don't even consider the American as a potential power conference anymore. Um, so, yeah, but that's what you expect in year one. You expect coaches to schedule these very winnable games, but moderately challenging games. That's that's where it is. And that's, you know, what Dennis Gates was thinking this year. It's a lot more interesting. And looking at their schedule in its totality, you're looking at Pitt, a tournament team last year, Minnesota out of the Big Ten, Seton Hall out of the Big East, both really good basketball conferences for those two teams. And they'll play Illinois and Kansas, both who made the tournament last year. A lot of chances for some quality wins for the Missouri Tigers. I like the schedule. I like the thinking that Dennis Gates has. And this kind of furthers, if Dennis Gates is feeling the same way I am about Missouri, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And like they could be one of those sleeper teams in the SEC to make the NCAA tournament. Like I said, a lot of people have them out. I've got more faith in Mizzou in this situation than a lot of people. I think Dennis Gates is a really good coach. And as I mentioned previously on this show, I would not have thought that Dennis Gates should have considered the Texas job if I did not think he was a good basketball coach. And Missouri Tiger fans will probably agree with me. It is always good to have a coach who is in demand at other programs. And his name is being thrown out there as somebody that another program should try to go grab. Um, so I think it's really interesting. Um, I have faith in Dennis Gates and I love this schedule. Yeah, I think we definitely see Mizzou make a deeper run, not only because they're a good team, but also because they aren't shying away from a little bit of competition, which I think is going to help them tremendously in the net. Maybe he listened to a couple of our podcasts from last season. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think Dennis Gates listens to this show, but if he does, shout out to Dennis. All right, 
Let's keep it on the non-conference schedules just here for a moment before we go to the break. Um, Of course, there are some big names for Kentucky and their non-conference schedule. They've scheduled Kansas, North Carolina, Gonzaga, and Miami in the ACC-SEC Challenge. They'll also face Illinois State, St. Joseph, Louisville, and Marshall. I don't think we'll see Cal schedule any more big-name opponents, but there are rumors And the status of two other potential non-conference games, such as Michigan and Notre Dame, is currently unknown. Um, But those are two possible uh, P6 games um, that are coming that could possibly pop up on Kentucky's schedule. And there are a few other games that could possibly get interesting. Maddie, when you look at the schedule, what are your first thoughts on Kentucky? You know, we did one of our um, hoops highlights over the Kentucky non-schedule or non-conference schedule that they released. And... I think it's going to be another great season for Cal, and we're really going to be able to see what this Kentucky team is going to have to offer after we've been giving them so much hype and their improvement in the last couple months. Yeah, I think it's going to be super entertaining. Uh, One opponent that not a lot of people were talking about, uh, I did hear Locked On uh, Kentucky talking about this a little bit, but one game that I think is interesting is Marshall. Uh, Now, Marshall is a pretty quality mid-major program. And this is an interesting opponent because Marshall has put together some really good teams over the years. Uh, They've developed some really good shooters. Uh, They might be a team that'll compete in the Sun Belt this year. I'll have to do a little bit deeper dive in them, but that's one of the teams I'm a little interested in to see as a mid-major opponent to really test this Kentucky team. Uh, Another game, and God, I hope this is a decent game next year because... It ain't going good uh, because this current school just lost one of their recruits to go play professional basketball in Australia. Um, And that would be the Louisville Cardinals. Kentucky, you know, I'm hoping this game's a lot more entertaining than it was last year because this rivalry game has fallen absolutely apart over the last few years. And please get it better. Get it better. Um, because Louisville and Kentucky is one of the all-time great series uh, rivalries in this conference. And then uh, finally, the other game I'm kind of interested in is uh, Antonio Reeves uh, in his situation. You know, he's got an association because he played for Illinois State before he came to Kentucky. So I I really like these potential matchups. Yeah, I think um, you really hit the nail on the head with the Marshall game. I think, you know, that's definitely a mid-major to look into. Um, I believe in research, it was either last year or year before, um, they did pretty well in the NIT. Um, I could be wrong, but I think that's what it was. My timeline is all messed up. Uh, we keep blaming COVID, but yeah, I think Marshall is going to be a good one. And Illinois state was, uh, I think one that I pointed out in that hoops highlight again, like you said, the Antonio Reeves drama is going to be uh, super high in that game. So I think he is going to come in with, I don't know if you want to say a chip on his shoulder, but, uh, definitely coming in to prove that he's worth more than what Illinois state was offering. I I don't think he probably holds any ill will toward Illinois state. I just think it's an interesting storyline that, you know, anytime you play the team that, you know, originally gave you a scholarship, it's kind of entertaining to look at, um, to see that game. Um, of course, as you mentioned though, there's going to be several mid majors that we need to dive into. And we're going to go into some of those after the break. When we talk about Joe Lenardi's first bracket, of the season. That's right. Joe Lenardi has issued an off-season bracket, and we're going to take a look at not only the SEC teams who are made that first bracket, but also um, some of the mid-majors around this region who might be interesting to keep an eye on. So yeah, please stick around, uh, like and sub to the channel, and uh, we'll see you guys right after the break. Let's be honest. You're here because you love sports. We love sports too. 
And our friends over at Row One Brand love sports as much as we do. Row One Brand sells sports wall art, sports gift watches, and vintage apparel with ornamental designs created from real game ticket stubs and vintage sports memorabilia in their collection. If you want some vintage Golden State Warriors memorabilia, they have that too. It's a sports collector's dream website for anything sports related. Go over to one, rowonebrand.com to check out their great inventory. And when you use the promo code VSP15, you'll get 15% off any item on the whole site. That's code VSP15 for 15% off any item on the site. So click on the link below and go check them out. Row Run Brands, America's best vintage sports art, sports gifts. Please like and go out and support our sponsors. We definitely appreciate it. It's always good to get some basketball cable and everything else when it's season time. So please go check them out. We'd really, really appreciate it. This week, my favorite bracketologist. I can't even say that. um, Released his first bracket of the season. You know, we're only 31 weeks away from the NCAA tournament. So it's practically tomorrow at this point. But Joe Lenardi put out his first bracket on ESPN this week. So let's go through the big highlights and see what he had to say here for the SEC. Uh, the top overall seed in Lenardi's bracket was, it's the Kansas Jayhawks. That's his number one team. Uh, the first team out currently, he has Texas Tech, and the last team in to make the NCAA tournament is, of course, Rick Pitino's new job this at St. John's. Uh, Maddie, what is your reaction on those names so far? Well, I've got two things. First, I feel like you need to stop and take a drink after you throw up in your mouth. Say, <laughs> your favorite bracketologist. And secondly, does Kansas ever get a break from him like being on their butt? Like, I get Kansas is a great basketball team, but I mean, they got blown on by Arkansas. They get blown um, out, but they get they but get beat. They, they got beat. beat by Arkansas last year. Um, and. I just feel like while they are a good basketball team, I feel like it's it's a little overzealous to put them in the top spot based on some of these other recruiting classes and some of these other programs that are moving up in the world of basketball. Yeah, I, like we talked about it a little bit on a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the Vegas lottery, lottery odds, and I was like, Purdue looks pretty good. Uh, and also I said Duke looked pretty good. Um, now, Joe's got those teams in the list. Now, he's got Purdue as a one seed, and he has Duke as a one seed. So he, he thought similarly there to me, but his other one seed is Michigan State. Um, I'm not bending over backwards right now thinking Michigan State should be up there. Um, could they be good? Yeah, absolutely. Could they be at that level? 100%. I don't think that's going to be the case come March, but we'll see. Um, I'm sure if we had Michigan State fans and this was a Big Ten podcast, that would be bookmarked right now and, you know, saved for, you know, late, late March or early March. And it's like, who's not going to be a one seed? You know, like, but that's that's my current impression. I, I'm a little surprised. Like I said, a lot of love is going out to Kansas, but I do think there are some more. This is going to be a very competitive year at the top, especially between the Blue Bloods. Um, but you know, producing that mix also, there's some other good teams that I think should be considered for the top overall pick, but you're kind of right. Kansas is one of those teams that Joe Lenardi absolutely loves, um, and him putting him number, um, as his top number one seed is very interesting. The last team into me <laughs> was the one that like kind of made me go, yeah, okay, Joe. Um, you know, I, look, I'm not saying Rick Pitino is not capable of getting St. John's and they did a lot of good roster movement here in the transfer portal to get good players in. 
But um, let's pump the brakes and, uh, you know, watch a little basketball before we just shove St. John's in the uh, field of 64 here. Can they make the tournament? 100%. They definitely have a shot to make the tournament. It's a good conference in the Big East. A lot of chances to get good games, uh, get good wins and quality wins there for the for uh, St. John's. But let's be honest. Part of that is a name brand, Mr. Rick Pitino right there coming, coming in and, you know, Joe capitalizing on that a little bit for his bracket to make St. John's fans feel a little good about themselves today. Um, let's look at the SEC teams. Now, I think back in May, Maddie, I said I had eight teams from the SEC would probably make the NCAA tournament. And believe it or not, Joey Brackets and I are more or less on the same page. He also says eight teams. And I, I might need to reassess my thinking after this, because when you're starting to agree with Joe Lenardi, you, you might need to double check your thoughts. Um, but the SEC is currently tied with what Joe Lenardi has in with the Big 12 for the most teams in the field at eight. Um, so who does he have in? The highest rated seed is the Tennessee Volunteers at a number two seed. Also making the top 16 are Arkansas and Alabama's four seeds. Texas A&M makes it in as a five seed. Kentucky as a six seed. Uh, Mississippi State and Auburn are both eight seeds. And then Florida makes it into the tournament as the number 10 seed. Maddie, what do you think about these teams? Let's start with Tennessee. With Tennessee, I feel like they're in a solid place. Um, you know, we talked about how currently we have them sitting at number one in our power rankings mainly because they have a lot of returners who have experience in not only success in the SEC tournament, but also success in March. Um, thanks to last year. Um, yeah. But to say, don't wait, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, last year was good. Go ahead. <laughs> but I feel like Tennessee is too, a little too high. I, you know, we'll see, but I, I could see them getting to a number two seed, but I feel like that is, the ceiling for them. I I'm kind of in a similar place, but I, I really like the vaults. Now, number one, we do not have actually Tennessee number one in our power rankings. I think someone scrolled down into my notes into the SEC previews and saw who my number one team was there because the ones we released in May did not have Tennessee, but I do have Tennessee currently in my notes as a number one. I think okay. Maddie's been maybe, going through the SEC. Maybe preview we talked notes. about it. Maybe we talked about it. We and... have talked about Tennessee. We okay. have talked about it. That's, yeah, that's where I got that from. No, <laughs> me read notes, David. Do you do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were cheating off my homework. Is what you were doing over there? <laughs> no, but for uh -huh. real, like Tennessee's a good team. They're very experienced. These guys, a lot of these guys have played together. They've got some couple of good recruits that are going to come in and make a contribution uh, for Tennessee. And then obviously Zakai Ziegler being back as a fundamental piece for Tennessee is going to be. Very helpful for the Vols and Rick Barnes. Um, I think also Rick Barnes is one of those coaches that when I look at him, he's a pretty good coach, um, you know, overall. Like when we talk about what he does at the regular season and what he does in the SEC tournament, it's it's pretty good. For March and that time frame, which will have no playing on his seating, that's where most of the time we see a lot of disappointment and frustration from Vols fans out there. But of course, last year, they just came off probably their best season with Rick Barnes or one of their best seasons with Rick Barnes. So it, it makes sense to see a lot of these returning pieces and to see them a little higher up there. I think a two C is somewhat appropriate. I do think it could be a three, um, you know, but it, it's really close is what I think they can range anywhere in the top 16. It, it really just depends on how they get through this schedule, but I think they could be a top 16 team 
coming in to the NCAA tournament. Let's talk about Arkansas and Alabama. We talked about the Vegas odds a little bit uh, in a previous episode and where we said Arkansas, you know, according to Vegas, the Vegas composite there from Vegas Insider had Arkansas with the ninth best chances to win the NCAA tournament. And here they are as a top 16 seed. Your thoughts on the Hogs? Honestly, as big of a Hogs fan as I am, I feel like four is a little too high for Arkansas. I feel like we go through that mid to end of season slump every year, and that gets us in trouble when it comes to seeding. I think we could see Arkansas maybe a six seed. That's fair. That's fair. Um, it, it definitely could happen, but I, I would also argue back on that point. Um, is that Eric Musselman, two out of the last three years, has had Arkansas as a top 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, the 2021 season, our 2021 March Madness, they were a three seed. Um, 2020, 2022, 2020, yeah, 2021, 2022, uh, where Arkansas beat Gonzaga and made the Elite Eight. Uh, that team was a four seed. And then Arkansas last year was projected at this time of year as a three seed by Joe Lenardi. But... You know, obviously injuries and a few other things happened that kind of derailed the Hogs a little bit. And that was the lowest seed Eric Musselman has acquired so far in the NCAA tournament was that eight seed last last year. Yeah, I can see it like they can fall into a five and possibly a six. But I think Arkansas is more than talented enough to get to a four seed push for a three seed. This is a really compelling backcourt. We're going to get into a lot of these teams a lot deeper uh, come season previews, but I, I like what the Hogs do with the experience. Like I said, there's over 35 years of college basketball experience on this roster uh, and NCAA Division One experience. So it's a good team, um, just a team that hasn't played together yet. So it'll be interesting to look at that one. What about Alabama? I could see Alabama as a four. I feel like they're definitely not going to be as strong as they were last year. But I, I think four or five is is about right for for where they are, um, I, I'm kind of hurting myself because I feel like I'm agreeing with Joe Lenardi. I don't know if I like it. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I'm kind of with you in the fact that, you know, I keep finding myself agreeing with Joe Lenardi. But I am going to say this. Um, Alabama has some issues in the front court a little bit. There's not a ton, but I, I can see them falling back a little bit, you know, going to a six seed, going going possibly as low as a seven, depending on the situation. But Grant Nelson was a fantastic addition for Alabama. I don't know if I necessarily agree with Joe Lenardi of them being a top 16 team, but can they be a top 20, top 24, um, somewhere in that range? Sure, that would probably be a really good scenario. But it, it's kind of curious because I don't know exactly how well they're going to be built up in the uh, – in the front court there with their big man, it's young and odd. It, it, it's a good team, but not a one I got questions about, like Muhammad Wig and, you know, Grant Nelson. How's that going to work together? Is Jaron Stevenson going to be up to the task of uh, backing that backcourt up uh, there for the Tide? It You know, he's very, very young. So it's uh, he moved up in class. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that works out for the Tide. Um, but four seeds, not a horrible pick, in my opinion, right now. But I, I do think that it could definitely fall to five or six range pretty easily. I think Alabama is going to be good, but I don't know if they're going to be a top 16 seed. But they know it's consistent. We'll see. Um, the next team is, of course, Texas A&M Aggies at five. Your thoughts on A&M? You know, I think after last season, Texas A&M put themselves in a fantastic place to move forward. And I feel like this fits. I feel like Texas A&M could be a good contender for a five seed, especially with two of their top talents returning this season. 
So take that experience from last year uh, combined with some solid recruits going into this season. I feel like they're in a solid place to do well this year. I, I agree with you. I think uh, AM is returning a lot of good talent on this roster and they'll be fun to watch. Uh, all right. So the next two, Mississippi State and Auburn. You know, Auburn fans are a little testy about being put on a similar line, I think, about Mississippi State. They didn't like that I had Mississippi State right next to Auburn in our May power rankings, but here they are. And uh, Joe Lenardi agreeing with. I'm really hating the fact I'm agreeing with Joe Lenardi. It's really bothering me. But yeah, I do agree that these teams are somewhere in the 7 to 10 range, uh, somewhere. Uh, your thoughts on Mississippi State and Auburn real fast? Yeah, I feel like 7 to 10 is a solid place. Um, Auburn, as much as I hate to say it, I think is going to contend a little bit better than they did last year um, with this upcoming season. And I think Mississippi State's there. They were there last season. They just couldn't put the pieces together at the end. And I think with that experience, um, along with some improvements uh, when it comes to their players and some players coming in, I think that they could do much better this season than they ended with last year. Mississippi State returning several of their top scorers and also the big get uh, getting back from the NBA draft was totally Smith. I think that's going to make a huge difference for the Bulldogs to make another run into the NCAA tournament this year. All right. So the last team, uh, this is where I finally disagree with Joe Lenardi on something right now. Uh, he's got the Florida Gators in. It's not a horrible pick. I'll be completely honest. Florida is one of those teams that I think is a sleeper in the SEC, um, should be a team that can fight, but he's got them as a 10 seed night. Maddie, your thoughts on Florida? I don't like Florida. <laughs> I think they, they rode Colin Castleton in into the spot they were in last year, and now that they don't have Colin, I don't see them making the tournament. It's not a. I, like I would put if I were to pick a different SEC team that was kind of an underdog to put into the tournament, I would go with Georgia at this point. I was going to say the two teams that I think are going to be competing for this eighth spot or three teams that would be competing for this eighth spot would be Florida, Georgia, and Mizzou. And I'm thinking Georgia or Mizzou right now. There could be nine. We could have nine in the NCAA tournament this year because I think Georgia's got a real chance. Uh, if they're not going to make the NCAA tournament, I think they'll be in the NIT this year. We'll go a little bit more into that, like I said, when we do our Georgia and Mizzou previews. But I think those three teams are going to be the teams that are going to be fighting for the NCAA tournament and have a real chance at making it. Um, but Florida's my third out of those three. <laughs> um, this is not particularly a recruiting class I'm thrilled with. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of low ranked talent coming in, uh, for Florida. And then they're losing some key pieces. Like you just mentioned with Colin Castleton that made this team great last year. I, I do think not great last year, but you know, better than what it could have been. Um, you know, but Todd Golden is a good coach. So I'm not, that's what I'm saying. This is not a horrible pick. Todd Golden's a very good coach. Um, there's a reason that he got that job out of San Francisco and came to Florida, but a little hesitant to say Florida's in or to be a team that I would think to be in because I'm a little bit more impressed with Georgia's number 15 recruiting class and then having some pretty good transfers to go along with it. So I think Georgia's really good. I think Mizzou's going to be competitive in that fight. Um, Florida would be the third team that I think would have a chance Look, two of those teams are probably going to be an NIT team, and one of them is probably going to make it. We could see two. We could we could get to nine, but you know we'll we'll see. Maybe one of those teams sneaks in as an eleven seed on the uh, first night of the NCAA tournament. You know, for the playing games. All right. So for those of you who are new to the show, hang on, David. Okay. We have some listeners that are going to be very angry with you. 
Okay. You skipped over Kentucky completely. Oh, goodness. How did I do that? Did I... <laughs> I, I just went AM straight to, yeah, we need to talk about Kentucky. You're exactly right. Thank you for grabbing me on that. Um, we do need to talk about Kentucky because they're a six seed. Kentucky is a six seed. Now, according to the YouTube comments that we get on uh, that one Kentucky video, we are just baffledly mistaken by the fact that uh, Kentucky is going to win the SEC and they're going to do at minimum the Sweet 16, according to uh, several of our Kentucky fan listeners who commented in the comment section. But we, like we said, we did that Vegas Insider and they gave them, you thought, a little too high of odds. And they were getting into that top five range for a national championship as a um, as the fifth team, you know, right there. Joe Lenardi's got him at a six. That's probably a little bit, you know, bothersome to some Kentucky fans who are thinking that this Kentucky team is a national championship contender. I think Kentucky's very good. They could play. This is an amazing freshman class. But we've seen it again and again in the era of the transfer portal days is that flat out experience is starting to do better than getting some of these great recruiting classes that we've gotten to know Cal over the last couple of years. It would not surprise me if Kentucky has a rough start to the season with a bunch of these freshmen and some of those big games that should get some QA. This isn't horrible. This is not horrible. Do you think Kentucky should be higher or lower than a six seed, Maddie? I feel like right now this is a solid spot for Kentucky. You know, we talked about it a little bit. We saw them do fantastic in the global jam. But then again, you have to look at the talent levels people were playing. Usually the foreign tours that we see um, are blowouts. You know, we talked about it with uh, Georgia. We talked about it with, I believe, Mississippi State as well, how they were beating teams by 40 to 60 points. Granted, Global Jam's going to have a little bit higher caliber of talent, but I think we're going to have to wait until season to see if these freshmen can really show us what they're made of. Yeah, and let's not forget this is also World Cup year. Uh, Some of the best talent did for some of those rosters that were at Global Jam were not on that team that would normally be there. But that is a much more difficult foreign tour than foreign tour. It's not really a foreign tour, but it is foreign. It is going out of the country, but that, you know, it's it's a tournament set up there. But, you know, at the same time, I'm still hesitant. I'm, I'm still having like like I said, in this transfer portal area era, I'm sitting here thinking to myself. Yeah, the Cal years with those amazing one and done teams who were very competitive and could win national championships. The, the games change because of the transfer portal era. Uh, and I think Kentucky can get into some dogfights they don't want to be in and possibly into some situations they don't want to be in. So I, I'm hesitant. And more or less, I agree with Joe Lenardi. I think they'll end up higher, though. I think they can be possibly pushing into the top 16, uh, somewhere on the four seed line. That would make more of a compelling case to me, but it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out throughout the course of this season. Like I said several times, there's question marks around Kentucky. They are very, very talented, but there are question marks on how this team's going to work and how these freshmen are going to respond to some of the situations they're going to be in uh, on the road in the SEC this season. So, and like I said, they, we went through their non-conference schedule. There's some not jokes on there. So it's uh, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And the possibility to lose some games and pick up a lower seat is very real. It's very real. So it's going to be interesting to watch, but we'll see where it ends up. All right. As I was saying, (laughs) 
<laughs> no, no, no. Thank you. Thank you again, though, for picking me up. Like the Kentucky bit definitely need to be brought up. Uh, I mean, those... as much as you got railed in the comments for not giving Kentucky enough credit, I couldn't imagine what they would have done to you if you left them off. You know, the funny thing is I gave Kentucky a decent amount of credit on that same. It was just that clip that we put on the YouTube channel. It's like, you know, go watch the whole show. We're, we're we <laughs> there. Um, but I'm I'm still with it. But, you know, there's definitely an expectation. And then there's a little bit closer to what everybody else sees. You know, But we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm not going to dismiss them. They're good. Global Jam was a really good success. Um, but for those of you who are new to the show for the third time, uh, Maddie and I pick out mid-majors before the season starts for who we think is going to be good come March. Uh, the mid-majors, when we do this game for our mid-major spotlight, have to be from kind of the SEC immediate footprint or from a conference that is mostly within that footprint. Uh, so like James Madison would be cool, even though they're in Virginia because they play in the Sun Belt, uh, which has mostly teams who are in the SEC footprint around there. Uh, last year, Maddie, I'll say we did pretty well for a mid-major spotlight. I, I picked Furman. Uh, they made it into the round of the 32 after beating Virginia. And you picked UAB, who was the runner up in the NIT. So uh, I'm going to give us a solid B plus for our picks last year. Uh, not mm -hmm. half bad, but both our picks did all right in March. but we both missed on the best pick and neither of our teams made the sweet 16. How in the world did we miss FAU? I don't know, but that was not our mid-major spotlight team. And you picked from that conference and picked the number two team from that conference. Yeah. This is a tough situation. <laughs> Listen, UAB looks so strong and they did well. They but... did well. They were, they were a possible bid stealer on that last night. They were a team that was close to bid stealing like they were they were really close um uh, to getting into the ncaa tournament and that probably would have put us at an a minus maybe uh we would have seen how it went but obviously we can't miss the number one team from our own region uh coming out of here so for those of you who are following along an a plus is more or less uh that team needs to make the sweet 16 or better and be a pure cinderella story kind of coming out of one of these great conference uh we're not picking this week we won't pick until our final preseason episode, but I am going to make it a rule this year. So since we treated the American conference like a power conference last year, I'm going to amend that slightly. Um, we can pick from the American conference this year in our mid-major spotlight, as long as those teams aren't UAB, Florida Atlantic, or Memphis. Fair enough? I can't have Memphis. Can't have Memphis. No, because that's a higher expectation team coming out of the American Conference. That's like picking Gonzaga out of the WCC. Like, no, 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 it doesn't work. That's, what? I said I would never pick Gonzaga, though, so. <laughs> Why? That's that's not a horrible pick out of a mid-major spotlight. Oh, but I hate them, so. Yeah, but it, would, it wouldn't be applicable to us anyway. But um, everybody... We'd love to hear your picks as well. So leave them in the comment section on YouTube and uh, we'll read a few of the best ones on the season preview episode. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because Joey Brackets has in for us the mid-majors from our region. And these are the teams. Uh, Texas Southern, he's got in as a 16 seed. Uh, Furman, who was my pick last year, he's got them in as a 14 seed. Memphis, if you consider the American a mid-major now, uh, is a seven seed. McNeese State, Will Wade is back. I didn't think we were going to mention Will Wade again on the show. Please don't. <laughs> but he's a 16th seed. Uh, McNeese State, he's got in as a 16th seed. Uh, Moorhead State out of Kentucky. Uh, the state of Kentucky is a 16th seed. 
for Atlantic. Again, if you consider the American and mid-major now, they did move up to the American Conference. Also, FAU did make the Final Four last year. They're in as a four seed, uh, according to Joe Lenardi. James Madison, a Sunbelt team, um, they're in as a 13 seed, according to Lenardi. Charleston, a 13 seed. Eastern Kentucky, a 14 seed. This is a team I'm definitely keeping my mind, uh, my eyes open on for a possible mid-major spotlight. Radford as a 15 seed and Liberty as a 12th seed. Um, Maddie, your thoughts on this list of teams? Well, obviously you took away my favorite of the mid-major in Memphis. I really hate that you said that Will Wade was back. Um, and then, I don't know. I, I know you said Eastern Kentucky. Um is someone that you're looking for a spotlight here. I think I like Texas Southern out of this list. As a 16 seed, that would be very interesting. Um, but you're right. That's a team that's regularly made the NCAA tournament over the years out of the SWAC. Um, so, yeah, it's really an interesting pick. I think it's fun. I, I think that would be a very interesting one, especially if they play well in the SWAC and then get themselves into a spot where they could, you know, potentially upset someone. I, I think it's interesting that we're also picking, you know, 14 and 16 seeds this time around. 16C would be a pretty big upset. That's only happened twice in the history of the tournament, but we don't know where these teams are seated yet, but we'll see. We're going to have to do our research, do our homework, and uh, come back with the teams that we think are the most compelling uh, come, you know, our last preseason episode when we do our mid-major spotlight again. Again, people, if you want to participate with us, we will read your comments uh, that you put on the YouTube channel um, for who you think would be a really good mid-major. We will put that in the episode. So we'll we'll talk about them a little bit and... Uh, Please give us the team and give us your reasoning. We'll be very, very interested and in, uh, to see what you guys think. All right. Kicker for the show today. Arkansas's Debo Davis uh, used his NIL, D at NIL deal at Dick Sporting's Good this week to give back to student athletes in his hometown of Jacksonville, Arkansas. He was able to get every member of the current Jacksonville basketball team a $175 gift card to go towards whatever they wanted. Uh, they're at Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, Debo came out and said, I'm glad they were able to come out here and enjoy this time with me and me be able to give back to them and them be able to experience this because when I was in high school, I wasn't able to get the get what they're getting now. Um, Maddie, obviously, this is a great story. It's a it's one of those things that show the greatness of what you what players can do with NIL. But um, looking at the story, how you react to it, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the first things that came to my mind when I read over the story, um, I remember kind of when NIL was still kind of floating around. People didn't know if it was going to happen or not. You heard a lot of people say, well, now these college athletes are just going to be, you know, greedy. They're going to be looking to get the NBA money early on. They're not going to, you know, do what an average college athlete is going to do. But then you look at players here like Devo Davis, who is using it to give back to his hometown community. So, you know, I, I feel I like this. I like this trend of us ending things on, you know, a good note that makes people smile and have a good rest of their day. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm liking the kicker segment right now, too. It's We might give it a better name. Like, you know, I don't want to rip off Bobby Bones and call it Tell Me Something Good. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll come up with a name with it. You know, this is this is one of those feel good stories at the end of the show that I'm happy to talk about because like. When you hear about NIL and you hear about student athletes, you know, a lot of people, like you said, kind of had a negative reaction, you know, to 
paying players money because all they were, you know, all they saw was players getting checks. But it's amazing what so many student athletes, Debo Davis is not an exception. Debo Davis is among the many student athletes who are using their NIL money to get back to their communities. There's so many of them out there. And uh, I, I'm hoping that if we keep doing the show like this with uh, a kicker segment here at the end, that hopefully what we have here is, you know, we'll be able to share some of these great stories with you guys on how players are using their NIL money and things like that around the SEC for good things in their communities. So I, I'm happy to end the show like this 100%. All right been a heck of a week in basketball not the craziest week of all time but decent amount to talk about um you know it's been a fun week to talk about so yeah everyone please like and subscribe to the show absolutely love having you guys here and i want to say thank you to you guys really fast for uh, making our youtube channel which we've really tried to get going since may we have now hit 500 watch hours um so thank you guys so much for watching the videos uh thank you for sharing them thank you for commenting um, you know, sharing those basketball thoughts out there. Uh, it's it's a great time. Thank you guys so much for that. And we love everything that you guys are doing to help us grow this channel. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And as always, you know, if you have stuff that you want to hear us talk about, stuff that you're tired of hearing us talk about, let us know because we do the show for you. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is yeah, you guys are part of the basketball community here in the SEC, and we just want to talk about it. So, you know, we'll we'll help, you know. If you want to talk about a topic, holler at us. We'd love to hear it. All right. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. Have a good week, guys.